Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm here with uh, Mr. Mills Dorn to talk about his very interesting job in historical preservation. So, Mills, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, yeah. Uh, my name is Mills Dorn. I finished Lander um, with a Bachelor of Science in History in 2017. Um, from there, I went to the University of Georgia and um, attended their Masters of Historic Preservation program. Um, finished there in 2019. Um, I grew up in Edgefield, South Carolina, um, on a dairy farm outside of Edgefield. Still kind of have some ties to that. Uh, really liked working with my hands so and loved history and historic preservation was kind of the the perfect thing to put both of those aspects of what I like to do um, together for a career. Um, right now I'm working for Terracon Consultants um, out of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, it is an, it's a nationwide company. We have offices in, uh, in all 50 states, um, over 250 of them and several international offices um, and we do everything from environmental mitigation to geotechnical and materials um, testing for large projects and I'm part of the cultural resource resources department where I handle the architectural history and so my co-workers handle archaeology. Oh excellent so that um, that brings us in what so your job I mean it sounds like um, so it's a, it's a large company of which it's not necessarily focused on history but they still need no, historians. Yeah. Yes, yes. So the biggest um, aspect, I guess, like our uh, our our money maker, essentially in preservation through that company, is uh, Section One Hundred Six. So the National Historic Preservation Act of nineteen sixty six kind of set in place what they call Section One Hundred Six, um, and that is any development project that requires federal funding or federal permitting automatically triggers section 106 and they have to take into account that development's effect on historic properties so that's archaeologically and above ground architecturally um, historic landscapes too oh excellent so that that makes a lot of sense so um, yes. because of the government regulations, it's necessary when you when you build or change something, you have to preserve the history. So then what yeah. kind of history related tasks does your job have you doing? Oh, um, writing is a big, big proponent of it, um, uh, especially, you know, that reminds me, takes me back to History 201 and <laughs> yeah. 499. Um, that's a we're constantly um, writing about the history of a particular area or the history of a particular building or something like that. Um, and then it requires a um, in-person field survey where with uh, the preservation program at Georgia, you learn how to different uh, how to identify arch different architectural types. Um, and date these buildings based on their architecture and their craftsmanship, um, as well as you know fit these buildings into a national national context, um, whether it be a hydro facility or like we just got done with Stennis Space Center in Mississippi with NASA and fitting the. Uh, fitting the launch test stands where they used to test the Apollo rockets, fitting those into the national context and, 
you know, talking about their evolution over time. Oh, wow. That sounds really cool. Um, now you mentioned, you mentioned their writing. I'm glad that Lander helped pr prepare you with the writing. You said it's also very hands-on. Can you give me some examples of like work you do in the field? Yes, very hands-on. Um, so what I will do is sometimes I'll go in with uh, architects for buildings that they're rehabilitating for another use. Um, good example is um, I actually didn't get to help with this, but just before I started at Terracon, um, at the Columbia Owens Airport, there's a aircraft hangar that dates to 1914. It used to be wow. owned by the Curtis Wright um, Foundation and uh, our Curtis Wright Company, and it um, a group bought it and decided they wanted to turn a brewery into it or put a brewery there. Um, so actually had preservationists go in with the architects and sit down and be like, all right, you know, had asbestos all over it. We have to remove the asbestos. But what are the character defining features of the interior of this building? And how are we going to draw up plans for it that take into account the historic significance? And what can we add? What can we leave? You know, a lot of that trade off. So there's a lot of graphics design associated with this. Um, and our Jacksonville office hands, handles a lot of hands-on preservation that I help with a lot. They do cemeteries, so they will get large contact contracts for historic cemeteries, and they'll go in and reset headstones. You have to learn how to match mortar, learn all the different mortar types, what's good for a marble, what's good for a, um, for a brick, old historic brick, what's good for... Um, for granite or stuff like that you know you have all of this different stuff because if you mess it up then you can cause damage to these historic materials on these structures that is you can't you can't fix right um and we'll also do historic structure reports so there's a house in columbia right now we're doing a historic structures report for where it's a house museum and they need us to go into go into it and identify problem areas and then we will propose treatments for, you know, how they should replace this piece of molding or, you know, what they should do to repoint this this brick foundation, stuff like that. Wow. So it sounds like you never get bored. It, it sounds like a lot of different things. No, it is. It is great. Even if you just stick in the section 106, everything, every project, no two projects are the same um, with section 106. I'm going from you know so uh, surveying houses that will be surrounding a solar farm one day to relicensing a uh, nuclear power facility or a uh, or a hydroelectric power plant or um, even uh we've I just finished a project for the United States Navy at the Norfolk Naval Shipyard for a demolition of a building that was constructed during World War II, and uh, for their mitigation, they needed a what they call a HAB survey, which is a Historic American Building Survey. We do large format photography, document the building from one end to the other, and write up a huge historic narrative over it. Um, and then that is will be cataloged with the Library of Congress. Oh, cool! I think was that the one you said like you do the glass plate film or something like that but. yes yes so anything for um hab surveys hair surveys or house surveys so habs is for buildings 
pairs is historic American en engineering record. Um, we did a dam for that. And then um, uh, historic American landscape survey is housed. And they require a large format uh, four by eight negatives um, mm, because negatives right. are archivally stable. They can put those negatives, store them properly, and they'll last up to 500 years. Whereas, you know, with the digital age, everything's moving so fast, we could lose it here in right. 10 or 20 years. Well, I, and I just want to put, I, I'm old enough that I, I actually took a class on photography in high school where we developed our own film. Yes. Four by eight, that's a big negative. That is, that, that is. is a, you're yes. going to get a lot of detail. Yes, yes. I think um, a four by eight negative, if it's scanned property, uh, scanned properly, um, is one megabyte of information in a scanner, wow. which is, that's a that's a lot for us. <laughs> Well, I, I, and of course, again, to date myself, to point out, I think my first computer had a, a hard drive of 20 megabytes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I remember moving up to 40 or 80 and just, it was like, oh my gosh, I have all this space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is it, what is your favorite, what are the favorite things about your job? Oh, I really like, we used to laugh in uh, my master's program at Georgia and said, uh, preservation was almost a a reason to trespass. <laughs> I'm not recommending that at all. But right, um, right. whenever you get to go in these old buildings, anything that piques your curiosity, you have a perfect line to to ask about it, to learn about it. Right. Um, I have a lot of lot of interests. Um, constantly, whether it was, oh, I'm interested in how does nuclear power work, or how does how does a hydroelectric facility work, or um, at Norfolk, you know, how did they build all this stuff for World War II in such a short period of time? How was it constructed? Um, it gives you an opportunity to go into all of those different avenues that I, I just love. You have to you have to essentially become for a particular project, you have to become a small. For a short period of time, you almost have to become an expert in that field. And it gives you a you know, it gives you an opportunity to learn all the time. And dealing with the people, um, we're we're directly dealing with um, homeowners or landowners that sometimes also have an interest in something like this, or maybe you know they don't know much about this this period of history. Um, so we're constantly you know interacting with the public, um, and we're kind of essentially the go between between federal agencies, a client, and then. Um, landowners because we always have to make sure that you know the general public knows what we're doing and understands that we're not here to harm anything we're not here to take these buildings down we're here to you know save as much as we can while still allowing new development to take place excellent so i i hope that our listeners by now are excited i know there's a lot of interest in your field of historical preservation um so what advice would you give those students who say i want to be like mills <laughs> um definitely you know definitely i know i know the i know bits of writing can be tedious but uh definitely definitely you know focus in on that um because if you go into preservation or anything like that the the writing never stops um <laughs> and your writing will you know every report we do is published it's cataloged with the state or it's handed out to the general public. Um, 
Also, be careful. Um, make sure you always make good impressions. Carry yourself well. With this, with this, um, this area, this field, it's very, very small. Um, there was eleven people in my in my graduating class at Georgia, and they are spread from California to Texas to New York to Chicago, everywhere. And we are a very small field. So always be nice to people. Um, and always be respectful of people because if you make a bad reputation, it will come back to get you. <laughs> it's, also, it's the same thing. In, oh, go on. I'm sorry. Oh, also, um, you know, like I said, you're never done. You're never done learning. Always uh, take time to take time to, you know, look up stuff, become a good researcher. Research is, research is a, a big deal with this, with this um, area. We're constantly digging through archives and doing deed researches at little town courthouses and everything. Excellent. Well, and I was going to say, um, it's the same in Korean studies. Everyone knows everyone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just like in, it's, in the academic world, a lot of times it's the same. You got to really be careful um with your reputation um and one thing i just have to to also ask is kind of a fun fact for our listeners um you also do you still fly planes i do yes yes oh excellent what, what are um, you flying um right now i'm in a 1943 boeing steerman um oh, it wow. rolled out of boeing in washington in 1943 and was sent That's to awesome. wichita kansas to train um naval aviators for world war ii Okay. And then from there, it went to went to Texas, and they converted it to a crop duster from um, from you know the 1945 up to the 70s. And then a neighbor of mine got it, and we made friends, and I've helped him restore it. And yeah, covered in uh has a steel tube frame, wooden wings, but it's all covered in fabric. Oh, that's so awesome! I, well, and I we remember keep, we have it. Uh, Oh, go on. And we have it as exactly how it was um, from World War II. Um, even the inertial starter, you have to get out in front and hand crank the prop. Oh, wow. I remember seeing movies of people doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So um, I remember because I think it was for 201. Didn't you like fly with someone in a P-51? Yes, yes. I actually uh, uh, dug around and found a guy in Sherall, South Carolina, who owns a P-51 and um, and actually a T-28. So it would have been the trainer for right. the pilots going into Korea. And um, yeah, and still still keep up contact with him today. So, you know, like I said, your contacts that you make, the your contacts that you make will help you one day. Right, right. Well, um, and I imagine and that, the world of, I imagine the yeah. world of World War II aviation is not that big either. It's not that, yeah, it is, it is very, it is very small, very small. And, you know, the 201 class, you know, was just the beginning. Um, when I did my master's thesis, it was on um, World War II era training fields in Georgia. Okay. So I, I took, you know, what I learned in 201 and that, that passion for aviation history and took it on into my master's and got to see a lot and meet a lot of really interesting people with that. Excellent. That sounds great. When I hope our students are inspired by your story, they see what a lander education plus some more education and some hard yeah. work can do. So thank you very much for your time today, Mills. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. Yeah. Thanks.